0: Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode.
1: All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Miguel Lopez. It's July 27th, uh, 2021. we're hanging out in a vineyard in Ribbon Ridge. Uh, Miguel, thank you so much for joining us today. thanks for inviting me. Uh, The first question, the biggest question, let's get you started with why wine? Uh, I had no other choice. So my father came to the valley
2: in the late 80s to do strawberry picking um, and then stayed. He wound up staying. Um, He met my mother. They still did the immigrant migrant workflow for a little bit, so that would include Oregon stops in Oregon in the northern part of the valley for strawberries, raspberries. Um, Blueberries weren't very common back then. And then moving on to Central uh, Oregon, Eastern Oregon for onions in Ontario. Those were some really interesting days. Um, And then back down uh, into California for a brief um, interaction. I can't remember what they did in California to be honest. They did pick some apples in Washington. At one point, I do remember that. And then came back to the Valley, and my dad had worked at a vineyard in California, and so he knew a little bit of vineyard work. And so then he wound up um, working. He came to the Valley, and he started working at um, Jerry Koshal's place. So what used to be... uh, Oh, my God, I forgot the name of it. Uh, so it, it's now free also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Jerry and Julie uh, Koshal, they're amazing right. people. Amazing, amazing people. I, it's, it, I can't remember the name right now. It's, it's going to kill me, but I'll figure it out later. Um, so he started working there, and he also worked with uh, uh, Arthur Weber a little bit. And so um, from there, he met a couple other people. He also got to meet um, Mike Etzel, Sr. And Sr. wound up, hiring him to come work at Bowfair as one of the vineyard guys. Uh, and that was around, I want to say 90, 91 somewhere in there, in that window. Um, and so from there he just stayed in it and so he kept going up and up through uh, the course of his work. He kept winding up at different vineyard sites. So he worked for Mike and then he wound up working for John Davidson, John Kilpin of St. Joseph Orchard Incorporate. It was called um, vineyard agricultural services back then um, and they wound up planting vineyards all the way from the northern part of the valley clear down into Salem and also from what is now the YC AVA McVinville AVA clear into the foothills of the Cascade Range. So there's a lot of vineyard sites that I have seen in pictures or have come across again just by being there and I look around and go oh shoot I remember this place I've been here before Um, and so that was that was my reason as to why and so um, growing up I was doing everything that I could possibly do not to go with my dad to the vineyard but that was my weekends and whether it was winter time or summer time um, your weekends if you had a free moment were spent working So that was that component, and then during harvest, it would also be spent working, so I would help load his gear that he needed for the next day, or unload gear, help, you know, clean up uh, buckets that he had in the back of his van, or uh, deliver gear somewhere. Um, There was always something to do. I was my dad's, the best way I can describe it, I was my dad's gopher. um, and it was it was a learning experience too, because it was one of those things where I didn't know if I really wanted to do that. My dad was super jazzed; he wanted to do it together for the rest of our lives. I was super not jazzed about that. So, um, one thing led to another. For me, I um, wound up graduating from high school. I haven't done poorly; like I barely made it out. And then um, I was v- very seriously contemplating the idea of joining the armed forces. So, that was something that I was looking at wanting to do. A uh, bunch of guys that I had gone school with went on to do that. And from there, I actually stopped in at Walnut Wine Wineworks to catch up with the winemaker there. I'd known him. He had, had me help him during harvest when I was in high school, on the weekends or on uh, days where I wasn't actually harvesting with my dad. And simple stuff. He'd wash out bins, take t- temps and bricks. Um, I didn't get into the science stuff until I came on full time, so that was an interesting learning curve too. Um, I stopped in and talked to him, and he said, you know, why don't you do harvest with me this year? Why don't you spend, spend harvest here at the winery, and then if you're still ready to go, you know, go. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, that's not a bad idea, um, and I wound up staying, so that turned into a seven-year job. So it was supposed to last for a harvest, and it turned into seven years. And that was cool because it allowed me to learn a lot of what we are doing on the Wyoming side of the world, very hands-on. So it was me and him working on it every day, whether it was white wine or red wine. It was us setting up uh, lab equipment to run analysis. It was us racking our own barrels. It was us going through and doing sensory evaluations. Um, It was us prepping the building for harvest. Mm -hmm bringing it all in and learning how to work together and our, our strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I worked on a small team basis like that since that point, that I was really um, connected with the whole process. I, don't get me wrong, I've worked on, I've had some amazing teams that I've worked with since I've worked with amazing people, um, but that for me was the highlight of the beginning of my career because it was everything was being taught and the reasons why were being shared and that was really cool because I could then take that information and say all right I know this I know what um, this process in winemaking is I understand it from the hands-on approach but also I've been given a little bit of the theory mm-hmm. um, so when I went to winemaking school when I finally decided to go back to school I um, A lot of the stuff made sense in my head, but we were delving into it even further. So that little subsurface piece of knowledge that I had was then added onto. Um, Good example was, why do we do um, lab analysis for SO2s? It was like, well, we do SO2s because we are trying to keep the wines uh, tight, happy, and, and safe and secure. That's our only way of really managing them. Well, within that, the multiple um, components that you can have as byproducts of SO2, or also the degrading effects of not having enough SO2. With all that, um, I learned more about while I was at school, um, and that was that was useful. Have I really delved into it again since school? No. Like, if you sat me in a room right now and showed me a bunch of chemistry-related information I would would gladly fail I would I would fail (laughs) miserably Um, but that was that was uh, the beginning of it so winemaking has been not just winemaking but vineyards and wine have been uh, a part of my whole life Um, whether I liked it or not (laughs) so and I've learned that those early years were really special uh, because I got to do a lot of really cool things early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more of a being put in positions where well, there's, n- there's nobody else. No one is coming. <laughs> You've got to do it yourself. Um, and that was cool. There are a lot of boneheaded things that I did. Um, not strapping a ladder to a tank and riding that sucker all the way down. Boy, you know, and just reaching for the tank and realizing there's nothing to grab onto. You're going to ride this all the way to the bottom. <laughs> Good luck. Um, but yeah, there's there's things like that. And then, um, Other moments where you you learn other parts and pieces of the industry. Um, I have been working on whole cluster fermentations for four vintages Mm -hmm. and every vintage I felt the wines just never really turned out the way we envisioned them to. We had some really good examples that we had tasted from other producers and it was like how the heck do we do that? Like how to try to mimic that, how to not mimic but try to recreate that. Mm -hmm, mm And I was so frustrated, I said, you know, I'm done. I'm not gonna do this anymore. Well, one of our marketing guys said, you know, our friend in California knows how to do this. Why don't we, you know, why don't you go down there and hang out with them? And I said, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, man, let's let's buy the plane ticket and let's, let's go. And so I went down there for about a week and I came home with a yellow pad, yellow uh, notepad full of notes just on it. Um, and I caught it with the ownership at the winery and they said, well, what'd you learn? I said, a lot. Um, I learned a lot, so much that I think the way we've been doing it is wrong. And they were like, wow, okay, that's that's a pretty bold statement. And I said, yeah, I think we should throw out everything we've been doing for the last four years, like the idea. Um, to their credit, they said, you know what? <laughs> Hang on, man, let us, <laughs> let us think about this. And I said, come on, this is, this is gonna be great. Like, I've tasted the wines. I'm telling you, this is going to be the best um, iteration of that. And I said, well, let, let us think about it. Like, you're asking us to you know, invest some time, equipment, and money into something that you just learned. Um, let us think about it. So um, I also reached out, I also filled in the custom crush clients that we had at the winery. And one of them said, you know, that sounds like a great idea. Let's give it a go. So we took his portion of his wine, not all of it smartly um, and we uh, fermented it in the way that I had seen, processed in the way that I had seen and worked with in, in California and did everything exactly as though I, as I had seen it and it was very different in a really really good way so I was very impressed by it I was like holy cow we, we pulled it off this is really cool um, and then the client as we were getting closer to the bottling season decided that he was going to blend it into just his regular blend so that's a cool experiment let's do that and so what i said was i think that's a bad idea i think if we really want to showcase something amazing and this vineyard is amazing um, i think we should bottle some of this i disagree with putting it all into the blend and just making it go away Mm -hmm. Um, i didn't think that that argument was going to be enough and lo and behold, the client said, you know, you're right, let's bottle it. Let's bottle it as it's, its own component. Um, and that was the Zevo 2008, we called it the Whole Cluster Project. And it has really awesome chrome red label with red lettering on it. Um, and it was it was really cool, it was, it, was, it was awesome for me. And I didn't realize that he had gone out and put my name on the label with his as winemakers until the label showed up. And was, I was—I review the labels because I know that if there's a mistake, that's the best time to catch it. If we don't catch it, and we put it on all these bottles, then we gotta scrape them off or do something. Um, and that's when I noticed that my name was on. I was like, "Oh crap! This is oh wow! That's cool! That's awesome!" Um, and that wine went on to do really well. <laughs> I think—I um, think the spectator gave it a 93 or 94. Um, and he, the client was excited. He was super happy. He really liked that wine, and he really liked the idea of it. And um, having submitted it for scoring and done well mm-hmm. was really cool. Was was really uh, a highlight in a very young career. And uh, so um, from there, it it's it's been just a long winemaking vineyard and business run for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some ups, some downs. Um, some highs, some lows. But for the most part, it's been really exciting. Um, I can't really explain it without getting into the, f- oh man, the real, like, philosophical, whimsy, artistic component. It's there. It's very real, but it's very, um. It's hard to explain sometimes. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you do stuff like this. You take an interview or you fill somebody in on what you've done. And whether they know that you're in the industry or not, uh, when you're done telling them your story, people are like, wow, you've done a lot. And it's like, yeah, I, yeah it's it, yes. But when you're in the moment of doing it, mm-hmm. it's one of those moments where you're like, god, I, hope, really, I really hope I don't screw this up. I really hope that this turns out. We just got a bunch of very expensive grapes delivered to the crush pad. Don't F this up. You know, that, that scenario has always played in my heart and my head a lot. Um, and so I need to get better at enjoying the components mm-hmm. of it. So I'm very go, 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 run, get mm-hmm. there, get this done, move on to the next project, get that done. Um, whereas my wife says, do you ever take a moment to kind of enjoy this? Like kind of just, you know, stop and look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to, and that's when I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this, this, yeah, this doesn't suck because um, you get used to what you're doing. Really, it's really easy to get lost in artwork. Um, so that's, that's I don't know. Uh, does that answer your question?
1: <laughs> my my two-word my two question. That's a very good answer to my question. Yeah. I, I hope, and I hope that for your sake, the inter- this interview is something like that. The idea of this is like an idea, a chance to reflect and, and kind yep. of stop and slow down on w- what you've done. I want to back up to to that first harvest internship that turned into a seven-year job. I'm, I'm, at the, at that time, did you have much idea of the, of the, of the process of winemaking or what happened after no, the vineyard?
2: No, absolutely not. So, up to that point, and, and the few uh, days that I would help during my high school harvest days, um, I knew nothing of it. I knew that my dad would get bottles of wine given to him because that's the nature of the industry, you, you, you give something because you feel that, you, that it's, it's, it's just something you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd see my dad and he'd have all these bottles of wine and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and what we would experience was everything from pruning to harvest, that was it. So there was never really this winemaking continuum. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always interesting because I'd be out there, we'd harvest a site, we'd get everybody, get all their tickets counted up for their pick, write down their name, make sure that it was the right name, make sure that they understood the right count so that we weren't having any issues downstream when they got paid, um, and watching the trucks get loaded with the grapes and then strapped down and down the dusty gravel road they went. That was it. I was like, hmm, wonder what happens? Like, what's what happens in the winemaking side of the world? Because I see a bottle I don't see the, the work that's done from the day we picked it to the day it was bottled like I don't at the moment I in a bottle, I don't see that component, mm-hmm. so by working on harvest and being like, you know that that yeah, let's do this let's let's figure out what this is all about. Mm-hmm. That continued my curiosity, and that that continued forward in a very beautiful way so the why, the evolution of a making career my career started because of curiosity mm-hmm. of well what happens now mm-hmm. so, and it's been it's been like that for the better part of it. it's like well you know what do we do now or like what do we need to change or what happened mm-hmm. how can we get better um why staying curious i think has been the key to being able to um do a lot staying curious mm-hmm. um, and even I have those, like, a, like I said earlier, I have those moments where I'm like, oh man, this is kind of like, you're in, the, you're in the thick of it and you're just in the weeds and you're not having fun. But when your curiosity is peaked or you read a new article on some new method of farming or um, some new process in winemaking that may potentially have value in your part of the world, mm-hmm. um, you get curious and you're like, I wonder if, wonder if that would work. Or you, a client is is also great because they can come up to you and ask you, what do you think about this or that? And when the client does that, I feel as though the client, they're not just asking you to give your two cents on it, but also are you curious about it? That, that scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the time I wind up looking at the client saying, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me find out. Let me do some research, um, because if I had an answer to everything, that's just, that's just boring. I mean, but and I think clients are the best because of that. They mm-hmm. they're curious. Their curiosity about wine um, trickles down, mm-hmm. and so and also it's on, it's it's on us to deliver some of that curiosity. Some of those questions you can say, you know what, man, that's been tried, that didn't go so well. I remember doing that in this, you know, on in this vintage, and oh, it was it was not a really good not a good idea. Um but there's also that like, well, oh, shoot. haven't done that before. Mm-hmm. You can call up your cohorts, people you've met along the way and you're like, "Have you done this? How does it work? What 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 can I do? What can I do?" Um, so there's that that component to it. But yeah, well, um up until then it was just vineyard. Mm-hmm. That was it. And getting screamed at by my dad. Um because that that's what you do. You're you're the boss's kid. So you gotta get yelled at. Um and it, it was fine. It was a it was one of those you had to looking back at it now, I appreciate it. I truly do. And it's um it's oh man, how do I say this? It has been oh, I can't really say it. I can't really put a word to it, but it's um Have to come back to that man <laughs> sorry all but good? um yeah until then it was no winemaking experience and taking that that uh harvest job and seeing all the way through and, and going you know man i should probably go to school i should probably go figure out how to get get to school mm-hmm. um, and and get going on that so from there it, it led into looking up resources mm-hmm. and looking up uh Material, you know, degree material. What's what to take to earn this degree? Mm-hmm. What I need to do? What are the processes? Uh, what are the pre prereqs for a uh, make degree from OSU? Oh shoot, that's a long list. Okay, um, what about Davis? Oh, forget it. I'm not I'm not gonna do that. Um, and from there, I was able to kind of work my way through all of the schooling's components that were there, um, and realize that shoot, I got a, I got a long ways to go. This isn't gonna be like a I'm gonna be there done and come back um, mm-hmm. and so I, I had a little moment of pause there but then I realized that, and looking through all the curriculums that Chmega had just um, started to or had had built its facility and so they were uh, getting more involved and they were making this a real degree mm-hmm. and there had been a certificate there had been certificates up to then uh, this was around I think when was this? This was around 04:05 um, that I started looking at it more closely. And um, I realized, oh, well, shoot, I can get a degree. Like, it's a it's a two-year college degree, but it's a degree. And why making. I'll sign up for that. Um, when I started, the course material was maybe half a page. Like, the, the total classes for the degree were like, it was half a page. I, th- I think I just saw it recently. And it's way more advanced than when i was there and i'm just like man they're doing a really good job of like getting people out there with a lot more science under their belt and i was like that's pretty cool mm-hmm. um and so I, I, I looked at that and i can't remember how much a credit cost and it wasn't much it wasn't much money but in the long run of it it was going to cost a chunk of change so i went to fill out the fafsa paperwork and i was like, this is just this is gonna to take too long. Like, what? Do, what can I do? How do I? How do I get to school sooner? And so I had this idea. I will, I will, Xerox as copy the, the degree information, out of the book. And I will write a cover letter, to the bigger clients that we work with, asking all of them, telling them what I want to accomplish. I want to go to winemaking school. I want to earn my degree. Uh, And I don't have money. I don't have the way of getting there to do this right now. So I'm asking you guys to consider uh, helping me pay for this. That was in itself outrageous. That in itself was outrageous to have the the gall to put something together and be like, you know what? I'll I'll hit up a couple of the clients. This is what I want to do. I really like this. I think this is my future. would you be willing to participate? And so I sent it out to a few of them. A Few of them said, "Let, let me think about it." Uh, nobody said no, but everybody was like, let me, "Let me think about this." This is well, what do we get out of it? It's like, well, I don't know, a year, two years after I finish. Like, well, I, don't, I don't know. It's a good question. Like, I don't know what you get out of this. Um, and one of them wrote back and actually called. I think he called. Yeah, he called and he said, "Let's meet. Let's 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 meet up and you can tell me more about this." So we met up. Uh, had lunch at the table he just listened intently um, why I wanted to do this why I felt the need to do this um, and at the end of it I said well what do you think and he goes I like it I'm in and I said great and so I pulled out my notebook and I said the best way I can figure this out is by uh, curriculum do you want maybe like where do you want to be in the in the like what? What section do you want to take care of? Um, and he said, "We'll we'll we're, we're in for it. we're in for all of it. Um, we'll cover it." And I said, "What's the catch?" <laughs> um, and he said, "No, there's no catch. Um, we'll cover the tuition. Uh, you'll come up with some money for uh, your books." I was like, "Okay, that's that's a fair deal." Um, and we will um, help you help you get through this. I was like, "Okay." I said, no strings attached. The only thing we asked for is that you paid for it someday. That was it. I was like, okay, that's cool. All right. Um, and so that's how I wound up going to oh, making School. Um, I think I think I found that cover letter and a, a copy of it. I think I found it recently. Um, I'll have to go dig through my files. But yeah, I think I found it and that's that's how I wound up going to, to school. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it took forever. It It took, working it in around a winemaking job and through harvest as well, because you, you still have to go to school and you still gotta work during harvest. There's no one or the other. Like, you can go do school for the fall, but you if you do that, you won't have a job. And so I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way that this works, so it took a, it took a handful of years to get it done. Um, and so when I finally got it done, I was like, sweet, this is cool, all right. Um, and then shortly after I got it done I, I moved on. I moved on to another project and so uh, I got to use the skill sets um, right away but I had been using them the whole time because I would take the course, I would take the coursework, work where I could fit it into my schedule so it, it was essentially a two-year degree turned into I think like five or six years just because of the nature mm-hmm. of, of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have buckled down and done it in two years and then and found a a job but I I, like I said I wouldn't have gone to experience the things that I did Mm -hmm. so that was that was really cool
1: it's a pretty amazing story I love that Um, I'm curious about it's always interesting to talk to people who were doing the kind of real world experience and formal education at the same time yeah I'm curious about what you were learning in both and and where the where the kind of were there moments when you were in the classroom and you're like, "That'll never work," or, or vice versa, where you're in the, where you're, where you're in the, in, 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 Were there times when you saw the reality versus the theoretical and, and how they didn't fit, and, and how did you kind of make that, how did you kind of make bridge that gap as you were looking ahead for yourself?
2: Very carefully, very carefully, um, because I found myself in those situations a lot at school. Uh, the students, the ones that were there doing it full time, quickly realized that, oh, this guy's. Out in, the, out in the industry right now. What's it like? What, what's going on out there? And so we would be taught something in class. Um, and as we were going through it, somebody would ask a question to the instructor. And then instructor would give us two cents on s- such topic. And then that same student would look at me and go, what do you think of that? And I was like, well, um, mo- yeah, most of that does work uh, in- under certain situations parts of it can be tricky and so and the instructor looked at me was like that's true yeah like this this is a general explanation of this process and yes under certain conditions it can go sideways Um, so there was that balancing act because people would turn to me and say does this look right and I'd say I don't don't know like what do you think like this is this is new material to me in terms of the science part about Um, the pruning the the general winery work stuff, like the physical, like we needed process stuff was really straightforward. Mm-hmm. The science part of it, that component was the component that really um, was the reason I went to school. That part was the reason that I looked at and said, you know, in order to be a better winemaker, we should understand better the science of it. So that was one reason that I, that I really wanted to go to school was because of that, the science component. Um, I said the vineyard and the pruning and the winemaking, general winemaking work stuff. I'd already learned that on the job. Uh, but delving into specifics, mm-hmm. anthocyanins, thiols, uh, volatile esters, PHs, TAs of different wines and under different conditions and fermentation and kinetics, those pieces that we delved into more at school were the, were the reward for going there. But yeah, delicately was the very carefully was was the name of the game because it, it would it'd be really easy to say the teacher knows nothing. The instructor knows nothing. this is this is just hogwash. And it, and it wasn't because the instructor was Barney Watson and Barney had been around the block, and Al McDonald had been around the block. These guys weren't loofs. They were solid industry folk mm-hmm. who were doing education now. And I loved it. I I really loved it. Um, I don't know if they loved me um, But it was it was really cool. It was a it was a really really good experience Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people that I met there in those years are now either in the industry still or have moved out of the Oregon industry to other industries in California or on the the East Coast Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them have left altogether, so it's not for everybody, but School was really cool, and like I said <laughs> carefully was the name of the game because i could I could easily get into an argument that I was not gonna win, and they would be it would not be pretty um, so yeah, but keeping my ears open really helped and paying attention to the things that I uh, thought were of value and going back and reading through and saying, you know why do we ferment at a higher temperature rate? What happens if we drop down a couple of degrees? Or why does this person do it that way? Uh, what 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 are they after? Like what what's what's going on? And as you learn those components, you're like, Oh You then start you then were able to start tearing apart the wines as you tasted them, you're like, Oh, okay. So this wine is a little bit heavier, a little has a little more texture, has a little more grip. Okay, cool, they probably did XY and Z. So that that was cool. But yeah carefully.
1: (laughs) Did you find that your, that having the vineyard experience that you did uh, set you apart in in another way as well or was that fairly unique among your classmates to have had that kind of vineyard background?
2: Um, Yes and no. Uh, There were people there who had never done any of it none no winemaking. making no beer management no no vineyard work nothing um, but it was a passion of theirs and they had either just retired or they had left a very um, well-paying job to pursue this passion and very quickly as we were going through school they realized oh my god this is a lot of work there's a lot of stuff to do here it's like, yeah man there's there's a lot of stuff to do here um, and from that perspective I was like yeah there's a lot of stuff to do like, you you gotta do this this, this, and this to the vineyard in this order, or else you know something goes go sideways you gotta do this this and this to the wine or else something goes sideways um so having that that uh experience was helpful in that sense um, but again it was also uh difficult because you could somebody could uh hear you say something and then. Later down the road, jumble it, and it was like, no, man, that that that's not how this this works. Hang on, let me let me back up here. Um, so that, that 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 was that. But yeah, you having been working while going to school um, wasn't extremely unique. There was like two or three other, actually a handful of of us in the program that were doing that. They were doing schooling around their work, so it wasn't that that unique. Mm-hmm. I think what was unique of it was, um, at that time, it wasn't as um, how do I say this? It wasn't as broad in terms of student student. How do you say it? I I guess. Backgrounds. So it was mainly, um, this is gonna sound really dumb, it was mainly uh, white students. The, the program was mainly attended by white students and it was very rare to see a Hispanic student in, in the course, so that was something that was unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I wasn't the only Hispanic, but I was like one of like maybe three or four that were doing it at that time. But what was unique was the fact that um, I had gone from vineyard to winemaking to school mm-hmm. and had stayed in that realm. And some of these guys were just doing vineyard. So they were just there to um, help themselves learn more about it. But also, they were just staying in one one realm. And so I had traversed two. I had traversed from vineyard to winery and gone back and and done. I was doing both still. So that was, I think that was unique. Um, but now I think, it's, it's pro- I haven't been there in a while, so it's probably more integrated in terms of different backgrounds, different students. Um, but yeah, at that time, it was, it was it, it, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the only unique character to it was there's was only a few of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it didn't reflect, I think, poorly on the program or the people that were attending it. It was just that this is the group of people that were passionate about it. Now, because of Ivoit, because of what we're doing, and I want to say before we started that too, um, we have people from the Hispanic community who are intrigued, who have always been intrigued, but are now feeling that they can do this, they can be part of this. So um, they no longer, I, th- I think they see the opportunities that they can gain by, by attending school, by learning more about um, not just vineyard work, but the reasons as to why you do that vineyard work. Not just winemaking, but the reason as to why you do that kind of winemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so those those things will prove invaluable down the road for them. So I think that's that's that was the one piece that I th- that I left with thinking this has to. Wh- what about these guys? What about those out there? Like, how do we get them in here? Mm-hmm. So it took a while. It took a while to get that <laughs> um, up and running, but that was years ago when I was there at school. So mm-hmm. um, again long answer. <laughs> well
1: we'll come back and talk more about IU in a minute but I'm, I'm curious uh when you graduated yeah. uh, you have you have, you have you have the kind of the, like the double experience plus plus education now yeah what were you thinking at that point what did you want to do what did you kind of hope your future looked like?
2: Oh good grief um what does that look like so as I was wrapping up my degree I had, um, wow, man, how do I answer this? i I just going to sound really, okay. Miguel of 2008 uh, to 2010 was reckless, was I'm a winemaker and I'm going to be a rock star. Like, I'm going to be this amazing winemaker, but also I I was not. The nicest person at Harvest. You were either with us or you weren't. You were either gonna work late and stay and grind, or you weren't. Um, and looking back at it, I was like, man, I sucked to work for. Like I was terrible. I was a I was a tyrant. Um, and so upon graduating, I I felt like hot stuff. I was like, well, shoot, I can take my degree and I can I can go work for a bunch of other people. So and I did that. Um, so I left uh, Walnut City as the winemaker and I went and joined Domaine Serene as a production supervisor. And so for me it was like, I've said this before and people just look at me sideways. Um, it was like being called up by the Yankees to go to go play. And you're the Oakland A's, you're on the Oakland A's. Small team, great, great team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's a great job, but the Yankees called. <laughs> Like, that's, that's what it felt like. And so I said, Yeah, I'm in. I'll, I'll do it. And the dumbest thing that I could have done was said, I'm not able to do it, but I will work harvest for you. But I had finished harvest at Wall City too. Like, I got to do both of those. I got to, you know, I got to transition out of there in, in a good way. Uh, and you only do that once to realize that that's a bad idea. That is a really terrible idea. And you realize that you don't. You, you, what did I learn? I learned a lot of things. I learned, one, that you, you involve your wife in that decision. Um, you don't do this at the busiest time of the year. You do it after you've put everything away for the harvest and the new vintage, and you say, oh, cool, I'm moving on, thank you very much, um, and you don't work two jobs at, in the middle of harvest. And so I'd, I'd leave one job, grab something to eat at my house, go to the next job. And then it reached the point where I was not really going home. I was just driving from one spot to the other and sleeping in my car. Um, and that, that's that's how it uh, played out. So I felt as though I was on the path to become a winemaker for some top company, some top producer in the Valley. Um, and that, that being at that Damien Serene was very humbling. You know, it was a much bigger team, um, you were given your parameters to work within. You, you took care of certain pieces, you didn't take care of everything. So having come from a small team that you wore a lot of the hats and going to that team where you were like, oh, this is what I do. I just, this is, this is what I do here. It's like, oh crap, okay. Huh, God, I kind of miss being on the ground, kind of miss being out on the floor. Um, and so I did that and I was like, man, I, I, don't get, I like this, I'm very happy to be here, but this is very different. I wasn't expecting this mm-hmm. and so um, I left there the following spring and found myself for the first time in a position where I, I was just like shoot I don't really know what to do like what do I what do I do now like who do I where do I go because um, I left um, and didn't have something lined up I was like oh shoot
1: hmm
2: um, well I guess I better make some phone calls. And so I wound up doing the 11 harvest with the team at Soder. So I went to Soder for 11. And again, I was like, all right, cool, I'm I'm on this team. This is a really good team. And that was a really good team. That team is still amazing. I love that team. Um, And that was an amazing harvest for me because to see Tony Soder himself as we're leaving saying cool guys i'll see you tomorrow and he's rolling out the um, pneumatic punchdown tool and me turning to chris flywood with the winemaker there now i said is he gonna do is he gonna do the night round of punchdowns he's like yeah man that's his deal and i said by himself he goes yeah he's gonna yeah like you and i were gonna go home yeah he's gonna be here he's he's night owl. That's, that's what he wants to do and i was like oh man all right that to me was all right i had just experienced um, being the winemaker, a small, small custom crush, going to a larger team and being part of a larger team and the dynamics of that, back to a small team with a leader that was out there grinding it with you. In the span of a year, I had seen all of this. And so that harvest is awesome. We made a lot of interesting wines, good wines. Um, and learned a lot from working with Chris and Tony and James and um, took that and said, man, this has been good. It's been really cool. And left there again at the end of the harvest, at the end of the year. Um, my time there was done. And then I, again, moved on through knowing people again, uh, Tony um, Gain and Earl kramer Brown they were launching vertical wine and beer distribution in McFingo. and Earl and Tony said, "We need a guy to help us in the warehouse. You know, you live around the corner. You, you, do, do you want, do you want to help?" And I was like, "Sure, man. That's I got nothing else going on. It was that, or like go find a job in a different industry because we were still recovering from the recession. We were still trying to make our way through um, inventories that we were sitting on, re- repacking everything, repackaging everything." Reworking the industry as what 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 can I do in a similar fashion that we just experienced with COVID, um, but in a, on a much longer dragged-out cycle that lasted from what was it 07 to what 14? Mm-hmm. You know it lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to do that, and that was a very humbling job too because part of the warehousing too I then got to do sales. So getting to do sales on the ground in the real world is what I call it, um, was very humbling because again, hot shot, Miguel showed up and he was like, watch, we're gonna sell wine. This is gonna be easy. Uh, and it wasn't because you walk in, you're like, hi, I'm so-and-so, I've got, I've got this selection of wines and I've, I'm, you know, this, we have a really good Oregon portfolio, here it is. And the shopkeeper looking and going, okay, cool. I have a shelf of you guys already what makes you unique, what makes you special. And connecting those dots was really helpful because then I took that experience again when I left there and said, man, sales is the hardest part of this. I will never ever look at a team again and say, man, you guys, why can't you sell this? Why, why can't you sell this wine? Like, um, again, that was Tyrant, Young, uh, Miguel, and that, that job taught, taught me a lot too. It was like, just be humble, be courteous, say please and thank you Um, and and, and be nice because you never know the the guy that you just walked by that you didn't even acknowledge could be the owner or the janitor there could be your best friend like that person knows when the you know where the stuff is or what's going on like just be nice to everybody Um, and that was that stayed with me Um, but it's also it's been um, that I would say that was the most challenging job that I did in terms of trying to build a rapport mm-hmm. and um, relationship with, with wine buyers or small shops um, or just people in general. That was that was very challenging for me uh, in a good way, in a really good way. And so from there, I went on to work and launch, help launch uh, Domain Roy in the Dundee Hills. And uh, that brought me back, uh, that brought back the second generation of myself uh, and the Etzel family. So I went to work for Jared Etzel, uh, the oldest of the Etzel children. And it was really funny because uh, there's this great picture of my dad and Mike Sr. And maybe they were a little older than us at that time. And they're out in the vineyard and they're standing next to each other. Um, and I, I thought it was really funny. I was like, "Well, shoot, here we are, here we are. Now that we're doing this," and I was like, "All right, um, shoot, man, we got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> like, this is <laughs> this is going to be really, really interesting." Mm-hmm. Um, and that turned again. That turned into that was a that was a harvest job, and it turned into a six-year uh, run, and it was awesome the whole time. I I, I mean that was amazing. That that was another amazing uh, job because we got to wear all the hats but we also were much older and much more experienced and much kinder. Um, but also we, we had to learn how to um, bring this project to life and, and that was cool. And being given enough room to say well what do you guys think? What, what What do you guys think about this? Like, is this, how do you wanna, how is this gonna work? Show us how to do this. Show us how you guys are gonna plan out what you wanna do. Um, And that was cool. That was really cool. Um, And having left there was, was scary because I was looking at it going, well, shoot, I'm gonna go back to farming. I think there's an opportunity here to launch um, a, a vineyard management company and take the skill sets that I've learned, but also not just the vineyard skill sets, but the other skill sets, the sales, the business management, the um, the budgeting, the forecasting, those components, and and share those with with the clients that we that we wind up working with. You know, be be that. What 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 do you want to do that's unique? What do you want to make out of your company? How do you how do you want to make it different from the other vineyard management companies that you that you know or, or of? Um, and I think by having done it all, it it makes us unique because we have a really broad broad perspective. So when I've met with winemaking teams and they tell me what they want, I understand what they want mm-hmm. um, because I, I've done it and the farming side of it, I go, okay, cool, we can do that. Um, but also maybe we can also do this to offer other solutions, other, other ideas. Um, and it's and it's ever and, and being fluid and staying fluid um, helps. So, like I had said earlier, curiosity. Your curiosity will always continue to push you and, and have you learn. Um, staying open-minded with that curiosity is very helpful because you you grow with your clients and you grow with those brands that you work with, um, and they in turn uh, grow with you. It's it's very rewarding for everybody um, if everybody comes to the table with an open mind and is willing to engage and and, and help and offer solutions. Um, it's real easy to be the negative person at the table. That's super easy. Um, but you'll find very quickly that nobody else is going to sit with you at the table. So that, that, that um, I, that's what I kept thinking about when I was preparing myself to leave Domain like I want like, I want to build something that offers all of the... Um, knowledge that I've gathered in a way that it helps those that we work with grow. Um, it sounds really broad and, 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 uh, it sounds really broad just mm-hmm. to say it, but, um, using that information that I've have gathered on a day to day basis now, um, has proven to be helpful. So, clients are happy with what we have done for them and also we can continue to grow and and get better at it so every year is a learning year and you take your lessons and you apply them Mm going forward again
1: so Sorry, man. Okay, again, it's... This, are, this is, you need know, no to apologize. This is just saving me asking a bunch of questions. Okay. I want to back up to, D- D- to Domaine Roy. You mentioned that. It's kind of a unique project because you were there on the ground. You were there as it was getting started.
2: Yeah, so Jerry and I met in um, going into the fall of 13. We met up. He was coming back to the valley. He had this project. Um, it was going to be a vineyard site and a winery in, in the Dundee Hills. Um, and they were building it out. So when I met with Jared, they had planted that, the Dundee Vineyard in the spring of uh, 13. And I was coming on in that fall to do harvest. And we were going out and sourcing um, fruit here in the valley for that initial uh, launch. Tough year to start um, because it, this whole team came together just ahead of Harvest. So we were working as a new team. We never worked together. We were working in a facility that wasn't ours. So we were learning how to work with that facility and the ins and outs of that. We were receiving equipment that we'd never worked with on in this building. Um, and we were also going to need to Schedule our picks with companies that we had we hadn't done this with before yet, and then the rains came, and uh, it was the funniest harvest that I can that that I had experienced up to that point <laughs> because like I had just rattled off you know we had all these things. That people would say those are all cons, and I was kind of looking at looking back at my. Like, those are all kind of pros. Like okay, cool. Like everybody on their toes. Like everybody stay alert, pay attention. Like every single thing that you're doing, you gotta be careful with. Like okay, the, this piece of equipment doesn't fit here. We gotta move it around, and no, it fits better over here. Okay, those components of it. The rain added another layer of of interest, not difficulty, but interest. So it started to rain. We were really close to ripening. And it didn't stop. And so then things went from really close to being ripe to diluted. And then they went from diluted to rotten. And I remember um, going out to a vineyard site and trying to drop rotten clusters. With Jared, and we were both out there dropping rotten clusters, and we might have gotten through a row. And I looked at him. I said, "Is it just me, or is it really hard to tell what's rotten and what's not?" (laughs) And so we were coming up with all sorts of ideas. Like, well, what can we do? Like, what can can we do here to to help ourselves? Um, And so we sorted a lot, a lot more than we anticipated on the sorting line, and the fruit came in just soft, and so on the sorting line, you were getting wet because everything was just falling apart as it was coming down the line. Um, and you were doing your best to to sort out the worst of it and save the better of it um, and make something decent out of it. And I think the wine we made was delicious. I think we did a good job with that. Having all of those obstacles in the way, um, I think we did pretty well for the inaugural <laughs> uh, vintage. and so. We went through that one, and then every single vintage after that, uh, things got easier mm-hmm. because we were we were dialing in um, our our uh, strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So we were dialing those in, and so once we got our our, our building up and we moved in and ahead of the 15 harvest, um, it wasn't completed all the way. So we had the production area downstairs completed. We were still working on finishing up the upstairs component to that building. I mean, you've, you've been there before. Mm-hmm. And so we were working on finishing that up. So we, br- we rolled in the f- with the 15s and got going. And the 15s uh, were just monster wines. They were big wines. They were beautiful wines. Um, and they were, were well were well-received. And uh, we launched a program at a really good time. We launched that program at a really, really good time. We were... Um, coming back out of that recession and we were heading into what we have today, minus the COVID. Um, and that that project, I am very proud of. That's an amazing project. Um, I still work with them. I, I do their vineyard management now. Mm-hmm. So for the Dundee site, not for both sites, just the Dundee site. Um, and so I still have that relationship with those with that team. And um, that project in itself was, I, 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 all I can say is amazing, man. It was really, really, Awesome! I I to get that opportunity to to work on that project and to leave on a on a good mm-hmm. good high. Um, I, I I can't say anything more of it. It's just been a. It, I love it. I love that project. My myself, I left a piece of myself there and also took a piece of it with me. So that's that's that's, that's that, that that's that's that project. Mm-hmm. So.
1: So you mentioned kind of the genesis for the idea for for red what became red dirt labor. Tell me about the actual implementation. You have this idea, you have this kind of notion of taking all you've learned and helping clients, kind of realize what they want to do with that. How does that become? How does it, how does it come from like idea to actual reality? Take us through the kind of the steps of figuring out how and and what and and and, and that whole planning process, and then of the actual like starting now and this is my business now. Just take me through that.
2: Yeah, so the genesis was skilled labor. Uh, Too many people think that farming is just, I I think too many people don't understand what farming is. They they hear you say, well, I, I farm. Oh, what do you farm? Well, I farm, you know, I farm grapes. They're like, oh, cool. Without going into detail what you do, that's it, that's that's all you really you really say. Mm-hmm. People think that farming is just. I don't I don't think anybody has a really good idea what farming is. Mm-hmm. Um, a good example, a wheat farmer. People are like, oh, well, he just farms wheat. Oh, he must he must be doing really well. It's like, are you kidding? That guy lives and dies by the seasons. I mean, if he has a bad crop and it's yielding half of what it should have, well, they're gonna take it in the shorts. And you know that's that's the way it goes. It's farming. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same goes for us. We can have really great years and really rough years. But the genesis was skilled labor, and what I was noticing was we would have teams show up to the vineyards I worked with at that time, and they would be a mix. There'd be a foreman who kind of knew what you wanted to do and understood what you kind of wanted to do. And then within the team, there were people who had worked in a vineyard before, and there were people who were fresh off the boat, as I like to say, and had no idea what to do in a vineyard. And that for me was scary because I understood that if we botched certain jobs, they would set us back. The ripple of those would be felt for a couple of years. Prime example, pruning. Um, If you're new to pruning, and you make the wrong cut, you have set that vine back. Not just for this season, but for the following season and maybe even the one after that. If you, if you botched it bad enough. Um, another thing was shoot shoot thinning. We, we go through every year because the vines are putting off two shoots out of the same bud. And so you select the stronger of the two and you, you go through there. Where it gets tricky is around the trunk the trunk and the, and the new cane the new free cane meet there's a lot of growth in there and so picking the right ones to leave behind is real important mm-hmm. some people would not understand that and and be excessive they would strip that head well it was like well shoot i don't have a renewing shoot for next year how the heck is this going to work so that was th- the main genesis for it was how can we get a uh, solid solid access to an experienced team. Mm-hmm. How did, how can we help ourselves? Um, so that was Jesse's. like, you know, why don't we round up some of the people we know that have the experience that we can trust, that we know can do the job. And not only that, but why don't we um, do more for them? Why don't we pay them more? Because that's another reason your skill labor would go away was, Somebody else was paying them more. Some other team had offered them more money, um, and that concept and idea was not unique, but rare. Mm-hmm. Um, to too many people, it was easy to to pay people very little, and and just say, "Fine, that's fine." There's plenty more where you guys came from. If you want to leave to go work somewhere else, that's fine. We'll find another team. We'll pay them same rate, uh, and as the industry has grown, that's one thing that I have have kept looking at and keep looking back at is if we are to continue to grow in terms of acreage We need to do something about the labor force because if we don't train them or we don't uh, Pay attention to what they need not what we think they need but asking them what they need um, They'll go and, and find that somewhere else so Labor was the biggest driver, and once we figured out that we could get a core team together, and you no, know, and you know, and they were happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that provided us access to a skilled labor force that we could bring in when we needed to, um, and, that, and that was that was red dirt. In, in, in a nutshell, it was let's open up a company that pays these guys well and we'll keep them going year round. Because mm-hmm. that was the other thing, you were, you were brought on for one job and then you were told, okay, roll off to another job. And the other part with uh, that kind of labor workforce is they don't know what they're gonna be doing tomorrow. So today they were assigned a vineyard to go work at, tomorrow they're going to a strawberry field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next day after that, they're gonna maybe go back to a vineyard. That, that is also um, difficult mm-hmm. because that makes it really hard to. Uh, know that you're going to have the same team again day in day out so that still continues to this day and it's and it's rough it's hard because you're you're if you don't have your own team or don't have access to a team that is competent and and knows what they are doing Mm -hmm. um, it it makes it hard and we're going to continue to see that I think as we grow in, in terms of acreage um so by having done that, I, I helped myself because I knew that the team we had knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about them not knowing. And if we were adding new people that hadn't worked before, we were all aware that that person needed to be watched. And you could you could say, hey man, that's, that's not right. Um, and, and they learned and they're very willing to learn uh, because to them they're like, well shoot, I know how to prune. I know how to do this, I can take my skill sets and run somewhere else, like, and that's fine. If, if that's the case for some of them, that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was mainly the labor, access to the labor. And then from there, um, watching it uh, evolve and then saying, well, shoot, like, there's an opportunity here to, to, to take everything that I've learned and, and add to it. Mm-hmm. So rolling that in, we're having left domain rifle right full time to come do this full time Um, it allowed us to roll in other components to it. So canopy management was one evolution that we had started with with red dirt labor, but then now we were able to spray those vineyards because I I understood those programs and we could deploy those programs. um, Buying equipment that allowed us to then do other things. Mm -hmm. So buying a tractor that uh, could be used in multiple vineyard sites and had enough horsepower. That was key. Buying a uh, bio cultivator, a, a two-headed bio cultivator, that helped us undervine, uh, cultivate undervine, um, and it and it, it's done really well. So those those components, learning mm-hmm. to take those ideas and deploy them, that's what um, I think has added us has brought us up to another level, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's just the evolution of a, of a company, I think. Um, if you're not learning, you're not evolving, um, what are you doing? So if we're not learning new ways of doing things or if we're not paying attention to what's out there, um, then then we're not helpful. Mm-hmm. So why are we doing this? Um, but la- it was labor, man. It was, it was 100% labor. And it's, I, I think we will, that, that will become a bigger issue as the years go by, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh,
1: labor. It's an interesting turn for you after a long time, basically in wine making and in production. So this is a whole, like a different a different turn now being in kind of management and, and, in, and in the vineyard more. Tell me about the, the change for you personally. Uh, and I'm also curious about, um, Clients, how, how you're finding them and what, what you're looking for in a client and vice versa, what they're looking for in you. Yeah, so
2: like I had said earlier, it was scary leaving, um, but it was also the most freeing at the same time. Um, and just being able to say, okay, I know how to do this. I need to figure out how to, make it more than what it is today so that leaving was scary but freeing and going back to farming while it was a full circle of where I had started and where I was at um, it was not the same when I was a kid it was not the same anymore so clients are learning. They've always have, but now they're learning more quickly. Mm. Access to material on the world wide web is endless. And so they learn at a rate much quicker than when I was a kid. And when I was a kid it was I mean, internet was in its infancy and everybody was using it for cat pictures. You know, that that was the extent of it. It It's like, oh cool, we're gonna go look at some funny cat pictures. Or, you know, we're gonna go listen to some funny music and uh, watch funny videos. That was kind of the extent of it. It evolved into this real tool Mm -hmm. that you can bring up uh, school material from a lot of schools. Washington, Oregon, UC Davis, like there's a lot of material out there um, that you can read through. And so that that, um, evolution has made us better because our clients are, they understand more. They read They read a lot, um, never underestimate a client. They, they do do a lot of, they pay attention. They do pay attention. And um, what I think for us has made us unique is we have this background. We've been in the Valley for 30 years. You know, we've, we've been here a long time. Um, we, have seen a lot of different things come and go but also we're willing to learn and 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 employ new ideas mm-hmm. clients like that they 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 also like the fact that you can call them or they can call you and you'll do your best to pick up it doesn't happen all the time um, and give them an explanation as to what's going on like you know, what's going on here, what are we doing, what's not, what's still being, what's coming down the pipeline. Um, so that that's, I think that's where we're heading for us personally um, in terms of client selection is everything. You you can take meetings with everybody and you could say yes to every single meeting that you take and say yes, we'll take that acreage, yes, we'll take this acreage, yes, we'll do this. Um, that's easy to do. What's harder to do is to take the meeting and think about it and say, can we work with this client? Can, is this somebody we can work with? Um, and sometimes the answer is like, no, no. Sometimes the answer is no, we, we can't. Um, and that's okay. That's, that's totally okay. Um, because I, I'm at a spot where if I'm not happy working with a client and the, and the client's not happy with us, then we've, we've done each other no service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if we take the job knowing that we can work with the client, That that's a plus. Um, forcing yourself to learn how to work with a client is gonna take a lot of energy um, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And nobody's gonna enjoy that, that ride. That's not gonna be fun for anybody. So, I always remember that, um, being told that early on was client selection is everything. Um, I haven't forgotten it, but yeah, that's, um, there's a lot of, a lot of different people in our industry today. Um, when this industry was started in the late 60s, going into the 70s and 80s, you could count the five families. We know who those are. As you we went into the 90s, and we brought in international money, Demandruad, coming on the scene in what, 89, Um, that gave us a little bit of like, well, shoot, there's something going on in Oregon. DDO,
0: uh, you
2: know, is open. Like it's, there's something going on in Oregon. And in the 90s, we found more and more of those people coming and saying, well, what's in Oregon, what's there? Now those people are, um, that they're the last generation that that did it that way. Now we're seeing a lot of people with a lot more ways and means coming in, um, not wasting any time in developing a vineyard, developing a winery, developing a brand, and full bore ahead, mm-hmm. full speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're no longer this little industry that um, you know everybody. It's. For me, I say for me because it's gone to the point where I don't know everybody. I know the people that I work with and I know a smaller group around them. Uh, but there's a lot of people out there that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Because if I knew everybody, that means I'm spending too much time uh, on, on social media or talking to people. Like it, it, it's, um, it's, no, Oregon is beautiful it'll always be a whole but it's not the same anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not a little industry anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and and the growth that we have seen has been for the better. Um, so it you know drew on did it in eighty nine and then in the nineties we had small companies get bigger. Uh Beaufort was one of them. They they gained their reputation. They earned it. They earned it every vintage. Um, Adelsheim, Shehalem, Irie those names became more commonplace across the country. Um, they became better known through their advocacy work, through their, their, their by the boots mentality and doing it. Um, we evolved
0: mm-hmm.
2: into the 2000s. We had more people showing up with better educations. Waymakers who had master's degrees. Cellar um, masters that had done vintages around the world existing makers who had come to Oregon and left and come back to to continue working in Oregon. Um, And then the 2010s came around and we had more money, more evolution. So we had Jackson family show up and make some amazing purchases Um, and more people with like I said with more ways and means showed up and they were the ones that were starting to say well what else can you guys do? Mm-hmm. We can grow grapes, we can make good wine, but is that what we want to be remembered as? Mm-hmm. Not really, like we want to be the best. We all do. Um, and so that, that evolution has continued. So recently, Bollinger, Bion Ponzi, uh, Beaufort, mm-hmm. and the um, Henri Group, mm-hmm. That those are, for me, those partnerships and acquisitions solidify us as an industry. They al- allow the rest of the world to know that, oh, they're not, they're not the little kid on the block anymore. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're a region and we have been growing to that point mm-hmm. every, every single vintage. Um, and I think that that's, that's great. Um, because that then has allowed us to get better. Um, our most, I think, today, our entry-level wines, our twenty-dollar to uh, fifteen-dollar group, are really good. Um, our twenty to thirty group is really really good. Our thirty to forty group is really good at a value Mm -hmm. pricing and then 40 to 50 and 60 those wines are solid wines Mm -hmm. so i think from beginning to end from the bottom tier all the way up into those and then the higher bottlings that are out there now the higher dollar bottlings um, the wines across the valley are are good, mm-hmm. and they've gotten better year in year out because of all of this investment, because of all of this time that um, others have put into it. So, I I think the growth of it is not gonna stop, mm-hmm. uh, and it's good and it's fine. Um, but also, if you can find a way to grow with it, you're gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. I, don't, I didn't think I'd, I would see this. I thought, uh, I'll make rockstar wine and we'll live out my life as, I don't know, a winemaker in some company. And well, this is how we used to do it back in the day. That's, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know where we're at today. Like, I don't really know where uh, we'll wind up. The possibilities are really endless. Um, and that's awesome, That's that's really cool.
1: Definitely. So, I'm back up a second and uh, and talk about Ivoi, uh, which I know was kind of happening parallel to to your to your jump into to Red Dirt. So, let's talk about from again from sort of the genesis of the idea and, and take us through the the creation up up to this point.
2: Yeah. So, again, the genesis was the labor force, um, along with seeing that we had the unskilled component. Um, there were a lot of people who were curious. They just didn't know how to voice that curiosity. They didn't. They didn't know how to engage and, and, and make it known that they 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 want to learn. Mm-hmm. So, Azuz and I um, had been crossing paths more regularly than we had in, the, in the, before. We were at a couple different um, tasting events and a couple of. Wine industry events, and so our past kept crossing. And um, we would catch up and check in. And one of the things that kept coming up was, like, You know what, man? Like, because his was great about this, he would say, It's just the two of us. And I go, Yeah, I know, like, thanks for pointing out the obvious. <laughs> yes, it's just the two of us. And he go, Why aren't more people uh, here? Like, why aren't more Hispanics here? And I said, That's a, well, that's a good question, man. Like, I'll tell you why. We don't. We don't talk to them, we don't consider them as wanting to, to, to learn. Not all of us, um, there are those in the industry who have noticed, who, who noticed talent, they, who noticed people that were curious and, and groomed them and, and helped them grow and, and uh, moved them up through their companies. Um, what Jesus was getting at was, there aren't more winemaking people like us. And again, I was like, yes. Thank you for pointing out the obvious. <laughs> um, and So finally, we were like, well, shoot, man, let's do something about it. Let's 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 do something about this. Um, what do we do? What do we want to do? And in its early stages, it was well, let's do a workshop. You do you do winemaking, and yeah, this is me and his just sitting here. Going, well, why don't you why don't you do the workshop on winemaking? I'll do the workshop on vineyards. How about that? I know well, we can do that, and the idea was well let's let's set up a workshop and let's get them um, let's get a bunch of people here on a on a Saturday. oh well, that's not going to work because everybody wants to work on Saturday they're gonna miss out on a day's worth of wages. All right fine, we'll have to do this on a sunday um, and you know how do how are we gonna do this okay well where are we where are we going to set it up? whose building are we going to use like who do we talk to along that? along the way um, Sophia came into the scene and she was awesome about this because she goes well, what about education like that's that's what we really need is like yeah we do want to educate them but well shoot maybe this is maybe this is more than just a simple workshop and it is and it was and it and it's going to be continue to be um, and so we we kept meeting for a coffee at Red Hills, and finally Sophia looked at us and said, Well, are we really gonna do this or not? Are we really gonna do something about this or not? And it was, All right, cool, we need to do something about this. Um, so we started throwing names out there and ideas you know, what's the name gonna be? And Ivory uh, came up, and it was, I think, the best component to it, and we were going to recruit as many people as we could to help us launch it and put out the word like, hey, we want to help grow the next generation of Hispanic uh, winemakers, or like the first real generation, I guess, of, of Hispanic winemakers and vineyard managers at, at those higher levels. Um, and here's what we want to do. Here's, here's what we want to lay out. Here's our idea. Well, that idea um, evolved into other people education people, having meetings with them and getting their insight as to how we could turn this into an educational program. Okay, how do we get the funding for this? Again, meeting people to help us get that on board, yourself included. Um, And then from there going, okay, how about instructors? Meeting with people and putting out the word of what the project needed and how, you know, somebody could help. We've had a lot of really awesome, uh, response from the industry across the board, from vineyard, winemaking, business, wine shops, education. Uh, I, you know, if I'm forgetting somebody, I, I apologize. But we have had an amazing response to this to this project. Um, but before we got to where we are today, um, we had one major loss, and that was Hesu's. So when we were getting ready to do this um, we had had oh gosh a meeting in August where we said we're gonna do this like we are really gonna do this this is gonna happen And that it was in t- August 2018 yeah of 18 yeah um, we're really gonna do this like here we go in September Jesus got sick and he didn't recover and he passed away and it was awful. Um, It was awful for a lot of reasons. The biggest one was for me, Uh, my friend didn't get to see this. And that uh, was tough because you had worked on this together, had this idea, you're gathering all these people who had either read that article that we were part of or had heard of it or had somebody had read it and they had talked to them about it and were reaching out and not to see any of it. it was the worst thing that could ever happen. Um, and so when that happened, it was um, it turned into an all bets are off scenario. It turned into we are going to now we have to do this. This is a hundred percent. We have to get this up. We have to get this going. It's It's got to be done. Um, and it still took some time. It still took some time to get to it. Um, and so we finally, pushing through end of 18, 19, all of 19 and going into 20, we were able to put together that first group of students that started at the Northwest Viticulture Center. Um, and, and we've just completed the second round of students this past uh spring um and now it's 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 more than i imagined that my imagination could have put together i'm not very imaginative to start with um but it was really cool to see it go from what if we brought them along with us Mm -hmm. What if we held the door open for them? Wonder what happened. And it's been awesome. We have had an amazing group of students and a lot of them giving us their feedback are now engaged to continue. They are looking at continuing their education. They are looking at learning more about what they do. Um, and their employers too have said that they feel as though they they gained a whole new person because they didn't know this before that their employee was curious and wanted to learn more mm-hmm. and was wanting to do this for a long time um, and it I think it's been amazing it's been really well received um and it, it's it's going to continue to. Do a lot of other things that I, I don't know, you know, it's, like I had said, it's much bigger than I imagined. Um, and to have been there at the beginning of it, it was, again, I was like, alright, well, what, what can we do? What can we, you know, what can we do to help ourselves? And not just ourselves, but our community, mm-hmm. that's what it came back to. Mm-hmm. Um, if nothing else, if I, if I, um, if and when I retire, um, if I'm remembered for nothing else, this, this would be, that this would be it, this would be like, great, yeah, you, you left this legacy, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's awesome, that's great, having worked at these amazing wineries, having worked, um, with amazing winemaking, winemaking teams, winemakers, um, if all that disappeared, and I was just remember for this, I'd be happy. I'd, I'd be really happy. So, um, yeah, it's. It's hard to believe that it's. Um, it's hard to believe for me that it all happened. And again, you know, some people, not some people, Jesus didn't get to see this. Mm-hmm. That, that will always resonate with me. Um and man, like if I think if he was here and he got to see this, he'd be a hundred percent stoked. He he would be again this is me thinking about it. He would
1: he would just be like, Look what we
2: did, man, this is awesome. This is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other person that comes to mind is my dad too. He passed away, um, ten years ago. And I, you know, sometimes I stop and think, I'm like, I wonder what my dad would have thought of this. Like if anything else, I wonder what my old man would have thought of this. Um, and and I'm just like, man, that'd be kind of cool. Like, um, my dad missed um, my growth in the industry. Like, uh, and that sucks. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I, if he was here, I think he'd probably be like, wow, that's, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, But yeah, that's, and I don't know what else to say about it, it's, it has been something that we should have done a long time ago, but it took us to do it. it, it needed to come from those that worked in the industry not from an owner or a third party outside our industry but from ourselves like this, this is something that need to come from ourselves to do um and i think because of that it is unique mm-hmm. it is different mm-hmm. um, up to the point that we were launching this uh there 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 was no example there is no template there is no template for a if there was a template for it, I mean, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would have done it. Um, there wasn't anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll have to figure it out as a team. I mean, the team that, has, that was assembled and it's still there and um, that's still going, it's, it's awesome. There's a lot of really goodwill wrapped around this project. Um, I mean, this Friday we're we're gonna go do our golf tourney, um, and that's that's gonna be another evolution. So we've done a couple of fundraisers through COVID, um, and we've done good. Uh, we've have received some generous donations, amazing donations, um, and that's been awesome. And we have, I I think overall just earned. Um, everybody's help. Like, we, we have, if we hadn't done this, I don't, I don't think we'd be here today talking. Um, I don't think we would be thinking about it mm-hmm. if, we, if we hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, it's awesome, it's cool. It's, it's everything with the cherry on top. <laughs> so, that, that's, that's a great, it's a great project. I'm I'm proud of the team that has done the work. You did amazing.
1: Well, well, thank you. Yeah. Um
2: and so uh yeah, it's 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 an awesome project. So, it's I don't know where it's going to go, but where it winds up going,
1: you know, here it's it's going to be awesome.
2: It's going to be grand.
1: <laughs> it's going to be great. Do you consider it to be the paying it forward you talked about earlier? Yes. So as you look ahead for the future, then for I, you mentioned you don't know where it's going, but you, I mean, from my insider information, I know some of the things we've talked about. Yeah. Do you see it expanding to reach more people within Oregon and and beyond? Yes. Um, But the execution
2: of it is, that's the hard part. And that's that's the, the big part of it is it can, it can be done outside of our region. Yes, it can. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we do it? And so, I mean, the ideas are endless. Like, oh, well, what if we, um, okay, what if we send one of ourselves out there to help launch, it's like, well, shoot, who's gonna do that in their busy schedule? Um, one that just came up recently was, well, what if we, hmm, what if we find like-minded people? Like us in those regions, and uh, share what we did with those people. Maybe they can help bring it to their to their part of the the state or their part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, does it necessarily have to be just vineyard and winemaking. Like, can this can this model be? used in other uh, agricultural industries, mm-hmm. nurseries, wheat farmers, um, any other, other kinds of orchards. I don't you know, can, can this be taken and used there? And I'm sure it can. Um, but yeah, the, the, it can be done, it's just the execution of it. And it's hard, like we spend, everybody on the team spends a lot of time doing this and and the growth of it would be awesome but it's it's just that much more work for everybody um yeah just the execution it, i think that's the most difficult component to it it can be done but it's just that's that's the difficulty of it so yeah we we yeah we've talked about it we've been reached out we've we had people reach out to us and say hey how do i get this in my part of the, part of the state it's like oh shoot, man um yeah hang on let us let us get back to you um that was something again that was something that was unexpected. I was like, "Oh, wow. Okay. Like all right. This is again, my imagination is limited. Um, this is this is bigger than I could have thought of. This is really there is by having that in that kind of interaction, it shows us that there is a need for something like this elsewhere. There is a need for a self-driven mo- educational model like this. To help those communities um, come up, mm-hmm. so people complain about um, not having enough. Well, that's true, but also there's people who complain about not um, being given the chance. And so, uh, by affording those chances, those and access to those components, uh, you make your community that much better. Mm-hmm. So you're you're only as good. As your weakest link, and if your weakest link is strong, then you're gonna you're gonna be fine. You're gonna do. You're gonna be good. So, yeah, I, that's that's been one of the things with AIY that, um, again, I my imagination is limited, man. It it was really cool to to see all that, mm-hmm. uh, but also the, the I'm gonna circle back to the feedback. The feedback from the students has been um, really. Uh, inspiring, mm-hmm. cause like that's awesome. A few of them have said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go back to school, um, and I'm gonna take uh, class work to get a GED. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. To some people, it's like, okay, well, the, the GED. It's like, no, you don't get it. Like th- to them, this is this has been an amazing hand up, not a hand out, a hand up. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hear that and be like, all right, we we inspired that for those people, for our students, sure. for our community. Um, yeah, how it's done elsewhere, man, I don't know. That's 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 an endless conversation. That, that <laughs> one, I mean, we could sit here and talk about it till the sun goes down, but um, yeah, I don't know how we execute on that one. Mm-hmm. There's no good answer right now. <laughs>
1: so i want to talk a little bit about 2020 i know everyone's favorite topic to talk about and i was interesting i know you were one of the main sources of information for me last year being on, serving on a board together i was hearing a lot on the ground from you so i would like to back up to sort of march of 2020 and yeah. tell me about sort of personal and professional reaction to to covid and the shutdown how it changed life for you and, and the changes you had to make to kind of to kind of get through last summer last spring and summer
2: Whew. yeah so I remember hearing about COVID going into the holidays of 19, it being in China and people getting sick and not knowing what the heck was going on. And then hearing that whole region was being um, put into quarantine. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I thought, I was like, oh my God, it's the zombie apocalypse. Here we go. This is what's gonna happen. Holy cow. Okay, here we are. And so by the time January rolled around, it had snowballed and it was getting bad and then we started to have people stateside show up with symptoms
1: wow, where did it start starting california
2: mm-hmm.
1: san francisco and seattle with the ones i remember yep
2: yep and i do recall i've flown out of both of those air- airports and i'm like oh yeah there's a fa- there's a pile of people there's a pile of people out of there coming out of those two and and we're hearing about that and going oh shoot it's here like this is legit my wife is a nurse for the county, and her team took this serious from the get-go. This was this was legit like problem. This is one of those scenarios that I think you train for, and you do your best to prepare. But the reality of it, when you, when you when it hits the ground, it's like oh no, you you have no idea what's going on, and that's that that's how my wife was. Um, that's how I went for my wife. Like they, they were prepared. They were doing the best they could, and then once it just opened it into a, the floodgates opened, it was just like, holy cow! This, this is really, this is really big. Um, for me, on the on our side of the world, knowing that she had to go to work and help um, coordinate a response to this, uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of her. Like man if she is awesome she did she did an awesome job they're still doing an awesome job that whole team down there at the county worked hard and and did just amazing getting getting the response out and getting prepared and getting everybody um whatever they could get done having that at home was not just I'm not something where I was not just proud, but also very scary because I was, we, the information we were getting was good, but it was also like, there's a lot of unknowns, you know? How many people can you infect? Nobody knows that. How quickly can you die from it? Nobody knew that. How quickly can we find a vaccine? We definitely didn't know that. Um, and I kept waiting when the governor, started to shut the state down. I went to the page that you could find your industries and see which ones were up, see which ones were limited, and see which ones were just not 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 allowed. And I kept hitting refresh because I, I kept waiting for agriculture to be on that list. I kept waiting for vineyards to be on that list. It didn't happen and very quickly I realized oh shoot we are in the essential pile and part of me was like how the heck are we essential how how the heck are we in the wine industry on the bigger side of the world essential but it wasn't just us it was for agriculture so it was just a blanket agriculture is essential those people can continue to go to work under um, protective conditions, mm-hmm. like under certain conditions. So um, again, we had really good access at the state level. Um, the state liaisons that we work with, uh, people at the Bureau of Labor Industry, um, within your counties, too, that you live. Uh, because we are registered as an agriculture company, and we have a um, labor license, we were able to get these emails with Uh, accurate information on safety procedures and protocols to enact for our people. And also um, phone numbers and locations of spots where we could get um, masks and sanitizer um, and uh, resupplies, all of that. Once I realized that we were not going to shut down as an industry, I said, okay, well, we got to go get all this stuff for the people. and we gotta explain to everybody, hey, we gotta be good about this. Like, we gotta do our best to be good about this and, and work hard at it. Educating a, a workforce that has um, a limited education to start with was very hard. And also, it's really easy for them to go down the, 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 the rabbit hole of, What's on the net, or somebody starts a rumor and it turns into something that they think is real. Mm-hmm. So that that did happen. We had a lot of people saying, "No, oh, don't go to the hospital or you'll die." And it's like, "No, you won't die," uh, but people were dying. It's like, "Oh shoot, okay. Well, like, how do we encourage people to go get tested and and have them feel safe?" Another one was, "Don't go get tested. Um, you'll get picked up by ICE." It's like that's not true. Um, don't go get tested, You're, they're going to have all your information, they're going to give it to ICE. It's like, that's not true. That's not true. Um, but fighting those rumors and, and encouraging people to go get tested and go get um, uh, protective equipment and all that, that was that was a little hard. Um, I think because of it, we also found ourselves in a spot where it's like, we're not really going to grow. We're not really going to try to monkey around with other things mm-hmm. so we're just gonna stay where we're at we're just gonna stay put um, and pay attention to our team pay attention to what we have so for, uh, <laughs> i uh it's gonna sound really funny i had um we had at that point um, we had to go out and buy another porta potty because the recommendation was one porta potty for every 10 people um, which again, I thought that was a weird one. I was like, do you know that a barter body for 10 people in one day is quite a bit? Um, so I called the company we buy them from and they said, well, we need a... What did they say? I'm trying to remember here. We need you to pay up front and you're going to be six weeks out. And it was like... Oh, you're kidding? And they're like, No, no, no. Like, we'll take your name down, you pay us up front, and you're gonna be six weeks out and I said, Okay, well what's the what's the price? The price had gone up by a lot. And I said, What's the deal? And they go, Well, because of COVID we're we're having to work much longer schedules on a smaller team and also material is slower to get to us, so that material cost is being passed on to you guys. And I was like, Wow, this is crazy. I was like, Okay, cool. Um, well, I guess we'll we'll wait for our porta. And that sucker showed up, I think, end of May going to June. I went and picked it up. And I was like, oh, man. And so I I picked it up, and I was like, oh, thank you. Like, we we have this. It was a double unit. I said, thank you. We have this now. Like, this will, if anything, it's it's putting us in a position where we can say, look, yes, we have this. Please don't feel that you can't come to work and not be safe. And so that thing, you know, I. That was one thing that we experienced, that I experienced uh, on the ground level. Um, The other was the teams and um, the misinformation that was out there. From March to (laughs) August, that's that's kind of what our life was. Was like this big jumble of, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, Um, and. do your best. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, people did get sick. Um, and explained to people, to our teams, like, hey, if you guys get sick, nobody on our team got sick, except my sister and my mom. They both got sick. Um, but every other team was stayed healthy. And explained to them that if you feel sick, don't come to work. in their mind by me by us saying don't come to work it's them thinking well we're not gonna get paid and quickly following that up with like don't come to work don't worry you're still gonna get paid for those days you didn't come to work because you were sick man like you're still gonna get paid for those days Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was uh, again that was another educational component that you had to really push out there and said don't come to work if you are sick Uh, because we didn't know what we didn't know like if if you get sick, you, what happens? Like what 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 where can you turn? Because if you're going to the hospital, you weren't coming back. Was kind of like the hot topic, and so those guys, they, our team did amazing. Our team did really good, and I say August because then we roll into September. And again, this this is like my 2013 vintage with with Domaine Roy. I, fire breaks out, fire breaks out in the valley. It's like, oh crap. So we were already working on plans to harvest and how we were gonna harvest with the teams and with them wearing masks because those masks that we were being required to wear, uh, they work really well, too well. If you're trying to harvest and walk up a row with two buckets that weigh 20 pounds each and put them into a picking bin. It's like breathing through a straw. Well, Let's add a fire into this. And man, that just screwed everything up. Um, I remember waking up the morning after the fire really got crazy. And it was super dark. It was super dark. And it was windy as all get out. Like there was this crazy warm wind just running everywhere. And um, I dumbly made the decision to go and try to pick a site. And we showed up. And the team's looking at me. They're looking at the orange sky. They're looking at me. And I go, I know. Let's let's give it a go. Let's try it out. If we're not feeling good, I don't want you guys to be quiet. Let's call it. Let's just bugger out of here. So. We walk out and we start picking it. And I realized really quickly, I'm like, you can't see a darn thing. You can't see a darn thing. And then I go, oh man, this is not good. This is not good. So the guys managed to pick through this little block. And I think we got through maybe three boxes. And the guys, uh, one by one, after they were dumping their, their buckets, um, they started to just congregate, you know, just as a little team. And, and they started to round up. And I said, who's done? And they go, yeah. And I was like, great, let's get the hell out of here. This is not worth it. This is just not worth it. Um, and that was the beginning of a 10-day stretch where we just had, um, the, the fire was the beginning. The thing that killed us was the smoke. So we had smoky conditions. Uh, people were doing their best to pick and use the respirators and follow as much procedure as you could. Um, and, and, and try your best to get through it and that alone just trying to follow safety procedures for covid was one thing but throw in the fires um and then and the need to get get everything picked as soon as possible um man that if we could write a book about that and take care of everybody's experiences um, it, it, it would speak volumes of what we all experienced. So I'm sure that I'm not the only one that did foolish things, um, because we were all trying to to to, to do something, um, and so that that COVID, COVID plus the fires was hard, um, and then going into this year, having the vaccine show up, I signed our guys up right away. Uh, and my wife said, "I'm signing your team up." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I know that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, yeah, I know that. Um, yeah, when, when do we get our shots? You know, as soon as, as soon as we can sign you guys up, we will, we will put you on the list." And that happened, in, what was that? March, for us. Towards the end of March, and um, I told my brother-in-law, I said, "Hey, put the word out. We're all going to get vaccinated." I'd already gotten vaccinated. I'd had the opportunity to to go in and and get vaccinated. Um, and it felt weird uh, because my wife called me and said, "Hey, there's an opportunity. Why don't you come on in?" And I said, "Okay." Well, I was like, "Well, shoot, man. Like, what about the team?" But it was one of those scenarios where if you're in an airplane, they teach you to they, they remind you if you're gonna if we deploy the air the air mask, put yours on first before you help anybody else. So that's kind of how I had to think about it. I had to sit there and think about it and say, "Well." If I don't put on my mask 1st I'm not going to be able to help anybody else. So I better go get my shot. Hmm. But once we were able to get the team in, I told my brother, I said, Hey, get them ready. Like we got a date on the book. We're going to be there and I've made sure that they know that we're coming in with, I think we had like 20 people. And, um, we, we told our crews and our crews were like, well, wait a minute, are we going to come back to work? And those scenarios again, it was like, look guys, we're going to pay you to go, like, consider this part of your work day. Like, come to work, we will stop midday, and everybody's going to go get their shot, and we will pay you for your day. Like, we will pay you for that day. So, um, getting the guys to wrap their minds around that. Again, took a little bit of of massaging. Um, One of them, actually, man, I feel terrible. Um, He said, I'm not going. And I said, why? And he goes, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like shots. I don't want to get shots. And I said, OK. Are you sure? And he was like, yeah. I was like, man, like, I said, OK. And very, very off the backhand, I, I turned to him. and I said, if you die, I'm not going to cry for you. And so a couple of guys with an earshot heard that, and they laughed. And I walked away, and as they were all leaving, um, he was running behind them, and I said, what's what up? And he goes, I'm going. And I was like, okay, cool, that's that's fine. Um, and part of me, I felt terrible, because I was like, man, I shouldn't have said that to him. But also, it was, it was good to see him come around and say, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go get my shot. So everybody went in for the first shot, and everybody went in for the second shot. Um, and um, also, while this was happening, uh, they were having no-shows. So at these, at these clinics that they were putting together, they would have no-shows. Uh, and so, because my wife worked out of the county, she would call me and say, hey, we've got so many vaccines that haven't been used. If you know anybody that needs one, you know, send them down here. Uh, and I was able to do that for a couple of teams. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to, to be able to do that and help the community, not directly, by making a phone call. By making a phone call, um, those vaccines didn't go wasted and people, they got into arms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just worked my way down my phone um, and whenever I get that phone call, like, hey, we've got so many up for grabs. I'd call somebody else that hadn't called before and just keep keep that going. Um, and that was cool. That, that was in itself very rewarding. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I didn't, help them directly but just by making a phone call it helped get those vaccines into arms and I mean that what else can you do that that's that's I think that's just being part of community just being humane going into this year with the new with the lack of guidelines that we now have um it's it's going to be interesting because there's it's still there's a new variant therapies trying to learn more about Uh, the trials are being ran Um, my wife is still busy because of that Uh, i have two kids both under the age of 10. they don't have a vaccine in their arm so we still have to be as careful as we can Um, and also just continue to pay attention like The The worst part that I think could happen right now is everybody has been so liberated to not have to wear a mask that if we were to go back into some form of mask mandate, I don't think anybody's gonna comply. I think everybody's gonna be like, forget it. We already did this. Um, we already did this once. and that, And that's hard because I'll I'll do it, but to get a whole pe- group of people to go back to do something that was limiting and restricting, once they've been liberated from it, it's like, oh shoot, man, like that's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. So I think if it does happen, I'd be like, all right, cool, yeah, there's a reason for this happening again. We, our numbers have gone up, we haven't been smart about what we're doing. Um, you know, that's that's, yeah, there's a reason for this, so. But, it, you know, if it does happen, it happens. If it doesn't, okay. Um, it's just a reminder that we're, we're not invincible. I mean, Mother Nature can can ask for everything back really quick. Um, so that that's kind of what COVID was, mm-hmm. kind of is.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you talked quite a bit about sort of what you've seen change in the industry and the future for the industry. So let's talk about the future for yourself. Uh, you have a new business that you've barely been able to run in a non-COVID environment yet. So let's talk about what's next for you and what's next for Red Dirt and uh, kind of what you're looking forward to in the, in the future.
2: Man. Um, what's next? Jeez. There's a lot of ideas. It, it 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 continues to evolve and change all the time. Um, for me personally, the, the evolution of this company is taking on more management and also, um, for me, sharing winemaking uh, ideas that I've that I've have used and come across and and uh, working with clients that want to do not just rear management but also they also want to make wine, or they're making wine, or that aspect of it. Um, I hate to use consulting, because that's what this kind of is, um, but that's the reality of it. Um, consulting is, it, it, it's, it's a legit um, component to, to what we do, to what I, uh, what I am, like what I, what I have to offer. So air management and winemaking um, is the evolution for, for myself. Um, client selection is everything and working with people that I do want to, I believe in their project and I want to help it grow, mm-hmm. that's very important for me. Um, again, if, if I'm doing a project and I don't believe in it, that's not helpful. I, you know, I show up to a meeting, listen to your passion, listen to your fire and say and decide like, yeah, I, I believe in this project. Uh, I will. I will help. I'll come. I'll, you know. I'll work on it. Um, right now, it's it's going into harvest, and so it's going into that cycle where we are not going to start seeing berry berry change. So we're going to start seeing color change here. We've seen it um, across the valley already, um, and so we're going to go into this cycle. But coming out of harvest, for me, I'm probably going to hit the pause button on. Uh, myself just to take a breather for a little bit but also focus on the clients that we have worked with Mm -hmm. and evolve those relationships and make sure that we're all still going in the same direction Um, and that allows us to all come to the table and say hey good year cut in some things better it's like yep that's that's fine Uh, but Quickly going into out of that, it's going to be all right. How much? How many more clients can we can we add? How much more can we grow? Mm-hmm. And can we grow smartly? Can we grow too quickly? Um, if so, what's the contingency plan for that growth? So right now, I can think of a couple of things. We we probably and we will need to add. Um, more tractor operators next year, just because of the nature of the growth. So our company is reaching a point where we'll have enough acreage that it'll require another tractor driver uh, to allow me to focus on managing the company. Uh, Right now, I split it between myself and two guys. Um, And it works, but I'm giving up the hours that that I should be helping, that I should be dedicating to developing and running the growth of the company to running a tractor. Um, it's fun, don't get me wrong, I enjoy getting on the tractor and seeing something get done. But at the end of the day was that the best use of my time. So that's, that's something that will evolve out of the coming year. Um, beer management is important to me more so from the fact that growing up we did a lot of things uh, because it was the cheapest way of doing things. A Good example would be spraying class of All of our clients are organic. Um, and if you're a client that we're talking to or thinking or you know talking to about bringing on or thinking about bringing on, um, you'll need to be organic um, or some version of that but we're not gonna farm conventionally for you. I, I don't want our guys farming conventionally. That, that's just, um, it's not right. And also, it, it, if we're walking through these vineyards, I'm walking through these vineyards all the time with our guys, an organic vineyard, it just seems alive. Um, I've seen conventional vineyards growing up. I've walked through them. The soil doesn't doesn't smell right. The soil smells dead. There is this Anemic color, and there is this aroma that just doesn't doesn't jive with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as, as, as you as as you come on as a clan for red dirt, you are you're organic. Um, it makes my life easier because I know that all of these farms are organic. So we are going to be running similar versions of uh, the programs at all of them, whether it's spraying, whether it's pruning, whether it's leaf pulling, suckering. Underground cultivating, so that that makes our life easier. If we were to do uh, a little mix of everything, it's kinda hard, because today you're wearing uh, one hat and tomorrow you're wearing the other, so that that was that. I have been asked if we we would uh, do biodynamic. I am not versed in biodynamic enough to say, yeah, oh yeah, we're gonna do that tomorrow. It's like, oh no, man. but I haven't shot it down. I, I go, I don't know, man, that's a good question. I need to get better at that. That's one thing I need to get better at, so. But if you ask us to farm conventionally, no. We will we'll, we'll gladly just end the phone call there. Um, a touchy one, and I know I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this, is live, live certification. I think it's just to feel good. I, I think it's one of those where it's like okay cool we've got this certification and we've slapped it on our bottle. And don't get me wrong, we 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 would do the same thing with organics if we could, um, but I, I don't think it goes in far enough. Mm. I, I think it it's it's missing some components. If it was a little bit stronger in some areas, I I would be more more proactive about it. But I just kind of look at I'm like meh, you're okay. Let's. That's okay. That kind of I know I'm gonna get, get heat for this, but yeah, it's kind of a feel good. Um, whereas if you're farming organically and you're dedicating yourself to do um, or biodynamically, um, you are invested. You're invested. You're gonna you're gonna go do that, and you're gonna go do it to the best of your abilities. And if you, if you fall short, you learn and you do it again. You get better every year. Mm-hmm. So organics, um, automation, uh, autonomous is mechanical equipment is where we're going next so uh not me personally um not at the moment but there are tractors out there now that are computer driven 100 um they're being demoed in the valley mm-hmm. um, i think some people are going to buy them um, and i say that because while i say i farm organically i also am aware that i use a lot of diesel a lot of fossil fuel, like a lot, to to make sure that we run this equipment through the vineyards, mm. um, and that I think is the biggest uh, for 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 being an organic vineyard farmer. That's the biggest dilemma for me. It's like, man, yeah, we're farming organically. Yes, we're using organic chemicals. They're a little bit better than the conventional because of their their way they're being manufactured. Uh, but also, man, we use a lot of diesel. So that's, that's the thing that's, I, I'm looking at the horizon going, yeah, mechanical equipment, self-driven tractors. or battery operated, electrical. Like, I mean, if we just went electrical, that'd be awesome. But um, you're only as good as the equipment and some of those I think uh, we'll find out um, as they come into the Valley how good they are. When, when machine harvesting came into the Valley. Uh, Mid two thousands, really. Um, the biggest knock on them was that all these vineyards that had wooden row posts uh, were getting broken. Well, the machine's a little too rough on the wooden posts. So everybody now has been planting vineyards with metal posts mm-hmm. in the middle and wooden end posts, or they've completely gone to a hundred percent metal. Okay. Vineyards started to get designed with that in mind that they could be machine harvested. And they also started being built in a way that you could fit the machines down those rows. So they were being future built. Mm-hmm. So in case you didn't have a, a team to pick or something else happened, you could bring in a machine. So I think most of, those vineyards, most of our vineyards today are being built with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think that's that's our evolution there, and also our mapping. Our, our, we're getting better at mapping every year. We're getting better at having access to drones um, with access to great software, um, and getting better at, at spotting weak areas in our sites. Uh, again, along with automation, I think that uh, at some point in the future, uh, will be like the soybean and wheat farmers of those large fields where if they're going out and um, a good example would be spraying um, or not, sp- not so much spraying um laying down some sort of compost or fertilizer and if you know that your um, certain section of your vineyard is weaker you've already plugged that into the computer and when it gets to that area it says oh shoot man i need to up the amount of uh, material I need to put down here so doing that that would be a big plus right now we do it by hand No or we have to stop and and go slower or something like that you still rely on the driver right now if you could deploy a machine that has all this information and not worry about it you've just saved yourself that time um, granted you still have to train somebody to fix it or if it's semi-autonomous you're still gonna have to train somebody to drive it and um, you're still gonna spend the time moving it from one vineyard site to another mm-hmm. um you're still gonna do a lot of other things so it's not 100 um better but it's a step mm-hmm. so that's i don't know i think that's i think that's our future um i i along with that uh like 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 we talked about earlier just making sure that we have a better educated workforce mm-hmm. if we don't go out and do that for them. We're gonna run out of that, that group of people. They'll age out. Um, my dad's generation, they're all old and broken down now. St- some of them are still working. I'm like, man, that's, that's, that's rough. That's hard. It's hard to see, um, because I knew these men as young men, like my age, and now they're grandparents and they're semi-retired or retired or not retired, mm-hmm. um, and they're still out there grinding. And that's like, man, if we had had something for them that could help them earlier on, they could probably be in a better spot. Mm -hmm. So that I think will continue um, for me personally. Um, I just don't know where it it stops and ends. Um, I've told my wife that I will probably work till I'm 70. Um, But the thing that I need to realize is do I wanna work like I am today? or do I want to work like some of my mentors? And by that I mean, do I still want to get up early and check in on the teams at 70? Or do I want to have a moment with my wife and my kids and maybe grandkids and then go to work knowing that there is a team there that gets it, that knows what we're doing? Mm. Those are the two components. Um, While this sounds really cool and it's like, oh well, still doing it at 70, it's it's really, it sounds really rough. It sounds really rough. If I can find a way to get to this point, that'll be cool. Mm -hmm. That's, I think that's the direction I'm heading. So, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of time left, man. There's a lot of years left. Now I'm only, I'm only 36. Uh, So I've been doing it for the last, Eighteen years. You know, most people retire at thirty years, so uh, you know it, it's there's a lot still to learn, a lot still to do,
1: um, and that's that's where I'm at. Still, time to go be a rock star winemaker somewhere.
2: Uh, no, here's why. I've got two little humans at home now, and they will they will be the biggest, like, oh, dad thinks he's a winemaker, watch watch this. We're going to bring him down a notch. So, no, um, I can, I could, but at the same time, it's like, "Um, is that my goal? And that's not my goal. It'll probably be part of what I do, Mm -hmm. but it won't be my one identifier. It won't be like, oh, he's a rock star winemaker. That guy just walked in the room. Um, That won't be it. No, I, I want to walk in the room and and walk out meeting somebody new mm-hmm. and remembering a story because that's what I used to do. I used to be really good at that uh I want to be able to go back to that at some point in my life where I can walk in meet somebody new, remember a story and walk out mm-hmm. um, and yeah i yeah yeah no when I was young i was I was a tyrant I was terrible I was terrible um I hope people that see this will be like, "Oh yeah, he was," <laughs> because it, it was true. I, I was, I was, that um, was rough, um, but also this, my my two my two kids have forced me to learn patience and and be a better uh, better person. Some days I do, some days I don't, um, and my wife looks at me and says, "That's okay, just." No, try to have better taste than, than the don'ts so yeah rockstar winemaker yeah that that guy's gone
1: awesome Was all the questions i have for you miguel is there anything, anything i didn't ask that i should have anything we didn't cover here today that we should have covered
2: oh uh, shoot man no i ramble for the most part
1: well thank you so much thank the you time for your stories for your interesting and unique perspective on the industry. And yeah. thank you, of course, for all your work with Ayavoya. It was a pleasure to do the work with it as well. So it was awesome having you on the board. Really glad you really glad you guys got that started. And I was glad to contribute. So, yeah,
2: no, it's, it's, it was
1: awesome. So thank you guys. Thank you. And uh, we'll let you off the hook.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University. With a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.